Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Our host, Chris Shu, and his guest, we have Senior Vice President of Lee and Associates, Commercial Real Estate Services, Kevin Ching. Thanks hey, for having me here. Chris. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. I, um, you know, I wanted to start this out with a, a book exchange. I know you're an avid reader. Uh, I try to be. Um, but I have a, a book for you. Have you read this before? No, never read it. Okay. So I've seen the movie. <laughs> Great movie. That's, that's why I got the book. So, um, yeah, I hope you enjoy it. It's a, it's a fun read. It's a short read, but, um, what do you have over there? I have How to Win Friends and Influence People uh, by Dale Carnegie, also a great book. Um, most of my books are all kind of along this type of genre, mm -hmm. um, and I think you'll probably find it very helpful if uh, if you want to take a look at it. Absolutely. I will uh, I'll probably read this uh, this weekend. Um, perfect. Uh, so I wanted to start this out with uh, just a quick introduction of who you are. Uh, I know we're friends and... Um, but uh, the, the audience doesn't know who Kevin Ching is. So who was Kevin Ching? Kevin Ching, uh, man of mystery. <laughs> um, I, I guess it's kind of a broad question, but um, I primarily for work, work in commercial real estate. And I specialize in the leasing and sales of industrial buildings, um, covering the areas of San Gabriel Valley out to the West Inland Empire. Mm. Um, so industrial mainly is just warehouses. A lot of the guys I deal with are all import, export, distribution guys, um, ranging from a variety of products. Um, and yeah, I basically started that about like 10 years ago. Uh, right after university, correct? Yeah, so graduated locally, um, started right after graduating probably like took about three months wow. just to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. It wasn't the greatest time to get into anything. Um, my two options were either commercial real estate or um, uh, wealth management. I see. Yeah. So financial advisory with uh, Union uh, UBS. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, the Switzerland. Swiss yeah. Yeah. Bank right? of Switzerland. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I guess that kind of, that's the why. So, I mean, I, I have, I wrote down about 21 questions, so we don't have to answer them all, but, um, I guess if we just go on a, a, a good, uh, overview of what commercial real estate is, because I, I think that when people think of real estate, they just think of homes and, you know, uh, buying a house to, uh, with their family, raising kids. Mm -hmm. Um, did you ever work in residential real estate? No, uh, the only residential transaction I've ever been involved in uh, was for my own personal condo. I, uh, I bought a condo when I was like 25 in Pasadena and um, my office allowed me to represent myself in the transaction. There's still a listing agent wow. and he was super helpful in getting the whole process through. Um, when I sold it a few years later, I actually went through the same listing agent to list it. So I, I just think it's better that way. Um, and our insurance for our company usually only color covers um, certain types of transactions. So in the event that something happens. That's that's it. like it's the more knowledge you have. I, I think it's just it's more powerful in the state of California. Like you could you have to, to know your things. So you can save a lot of money. Um, and I want some clarification on this because a lot of people. Um, and I, I've heard this at the company. So to my knowledge, um, for the, the California real estate license, um, once you, you pass it, uh, you can do residential, you can also do commercial real estate or 
how does how does how do you become a real estate agent in, uh, for commercial purposes? It's the same license. Um, it's just kind of picking what product type you want to go to, and if you want to go residential, you go do residential. If you do commercial, you decide to go do commercial. There's obviously the different types of firms that are a little bit more specific for commercial. You know, the CBREs, the Cushman and Wakefields, mm-hmm. the JLLs, um, Lean Associates is one of them. Um, so it's really kind of picking uh, a product typing and going down that route. Um, when it comes to commercial, it's also pretty broad. You know, there's also there's retail, there's industrial, which I do. Um, there's office buildings. Um, there's multifamily, which is apartment buildings, so like mm-hmm. multi-units. Um, so it, it's there's different facets of commercial real estate, and um, I, I, for some reason, gravitated towards industrial, and I haven't looked back since. Mm-hmm. That's that's good to hear. Also, there's um, so essentially, once you pass the real estate test. You don't, you don't need any more schooling. No, um, there's like def- different uh, designations you can kind of get after the fact. Um, something called CCIM, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of geared more towards like investment, commercial real estate. Um, so you, you work with a lot of like spreadsheets, a lot of like income uh, based information, mm-hmm. and then you spit out a you know dollar value for what an asset is worth based on kind of the income coming from it. So regardless of what kind of asset type. Okay, because um, I I don't want to. I guess I shouldn't speak about my office because um, I've, I've been hear- hearing some mixed things. I'm, I'm very happy that you got to clear it up for me um, regarding commercial real estate. So, I mean, weird times, right? So we are keeping our six feet, everybody in this room. Uh, <laughs> um, how has COVID-19 affected your business? You know, surprisingly, um, when, when COVID first started in March, um, I remember sitting and having a beer with a couple of the guys in my office. And I was like, this is when Governor Newsom had just put in that like shelter in place. Uh-huh. And we're thinking this may be the last time we'll see anybody <laughs> for the next like, you know, two to four weeks, which was nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my business went to like zero during that time. So it was, it was scary. You know, it was, everybody was kind of expecting, um, one of the worst recessions that we'll see in a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I came into the business 10 years ago. So it's been kind of on this upward trajectory forever, as long as I've, I've been in the business. So yeah. every year has been better and better. Um, but the crazy thing is come May, my business just really took off, um, I don't know if it's market forces or, you know, demand for our product type, but industrial in comparison to all the other different product types has fared really, really well in COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, people that are stuck at home, they're still doing a lot of online shopping. Um, and the customer base that I deal with are all e-commerce businesses that sell some kind of good online. Mm-hmm. Um, so these guys were like doing exceptionally well. Um, so COVID's actually this year has been exceptional for me. I, I can't uh-huh. say the same for all other, you know, commercial real estate professionals, but for industrial and the guys that I know that are involved in industrial, they may see a record breaking year. Yeah. Wow. So it was down and then up. Yeah. It was down for the first, like, you know, month, month and a half when COVID really hit in March. Uh-huh. And then, um, it, it just really took off like right at the start of the summer. Um, you know, when, when things really started to ramp up, I mean, I think since March I've done probably like seven or eight leases. Mm -hmm. And then at the moment I have like six, seven escrows going on. So they're all 
due to close probably before the end of the year. Well, that's that's a lot of deals, and not the year's not even done. It's not, yeah. So it's going to be a big Q4, um, at least for me and my team. No, that's I love to hear that because um, we have I'm at Coldwell Banker Realty over in Pasadena, California. Um, there's one in Texas too. I didn't up uh, Pasadena, Texas. I just mm. want to clarify that. Um, the um, the guys upstairs are commercial, and um, I'm talking to them and. I know a few of them, uh, it's, it's been kind of like crickets. So, um, this kind of segues into my, into one of my questions. Um, what, what about your clientele? Are they mostly international or are they domestic? Uh, for the most part, the guys that I deal with, um, generally they are domestic. Uh -huh. A lot of them are mom and pops that started a business, uh, importing some kind of product from, you know, the factory, which could be anywhere across Asia. Mm -hmm. um, so the, for the most part, they're domestic, but they may have some kind of international presence. Um, you know, now with Amazon being like one of the biggest marketplaces for anything, you know, uh -huh. you could sell domestically in the U.S., but, you know, if you put something on there, somebody outside of the U.S. can still purchase. So, but, you know, in terms of location and operation, they're, they're very much concentrated domestically. Okay. No, that's good to hear. Um, and I wanted to ask, I do know that you speak a second language. Yeah, I speak Mandarin Chinese. And how has that helped or factored in your career? It's helped quite a bit. Um, you know, the demographic of business owners that I deal with in my area, they are generally Chinese. Um, probably I would say 60% of them. And the fact that you speak the language, you know, the culture helps mm -hmm. a lot. Um, so I have to say that it's been beneficial for me. I see. And um, what about the Asian American community? Are they, is it people generally from mainland China? Uh, or do you have a lot of, um, of uh, second generations, if you will, or I guess Asian Americans that go to you for business? Mm, a lot more probably first generation Americans, mm -hmm. um, people that came here from China or Taiwan or Hong Kong, yes. um, started a business and then really saw their business flourish while they're in the US. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, like when it comes to having that like cultural, um, I guess, background, it's it's good to, you know, connect with people mm -hmm. of Chinese descent, basically. Okay. Yeah. I, I do feel that um, a little bit about me because I grew up uh, about an hour from Seattle, Washington. So I never really had that community of people to um not just to work with but i just i felt like i was missing that camaraderie um mm -hmm. just being kind of an outcast um but that's why you have me right yes uh, <laughs> so i i keep the people i meet from town one very close to my heart mm -hmm. um but it's just it's an intangible that i feel like people don't um take under consideration um outside of la outside of densely populated asian communities it's mm -hmm. just it's such a disservice not saying that you can't do business, but it's much more difficult, in my opinion. Um, and just for everybody that's listening, there's take everything with a grain of salt, we're saying today. Uh, do fact check, but I think um, he's an expert in his field, and I, I, um, I'm I, starting out. Um, but I do have my license in, in, uh, in real estate in the state of California, so I, I hope you can take something away uh, through the hour we have today. Um, so uh, I have another question for you, Kevin, sorry, um, for all these, uh, we'll uh, make this as seamless as possible. So when it comes to commercial real estate, I heard it's more of like a, a nine to five, Monday through Friday kind of gig versus 
residential real estate where you potentially could have to to show homes on the, on the weekends. Yeah. Um, so yeah, generally Monday through Friday, normal business hours. Um, it, it's not, it's kind of what you make of it. You know, um, some people like to start off super early, maybe call the day early. Um, I, I think my day kind of revolves around my tour schedule. So mm -hmm. depending on, you know, when I have to go and open up buildings or show buildings. And then in between that, I'm on my phone. Um, now, I mean, it's just so seamless. I, I have my laptop with me everywhere. I have my iPhone. Mm -hmm. um, so whenever I need to actually contact a client or discuss something, I can quickly duck into a, a Starbucks or something and make a call. Or yeah. it, um, So I, I don't really work too much on the weekends. I try to have a really good like work-life balance and I think everybody should be like that. Mm -hmm. um, I do get occasionally clients needing to get into a building on the weekends or sometimes let's just say if a building's occupied by a business and the owner says, Hey, I don't want my employees to know that I'm trying to sell the building. Mm -hmm. And so we may have to go after hours or sometimes weekends, but it's, it's very rare. Okay. Um, which I kind of like, cause you know, it's just when the weekend comes around, it's just good to check out and, you know, wait till Monday to handle anything pressing. Mm -hmm. But there are definitely some days where it's like, if I don't have anything going on on a Sunday morning, I'll just get on the laptop and send some emails or something. But it's really what you make of it, which is kind of the beauty of something a little bit more entrepreneurial, like mm -hmm. commercial real estate or just re real estate in general. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not confined to certain hours of the day, certain days of the week. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about um, motivation. So this is uh, a question I saved uh, near the end, but I think it's almost perfect. Um, timing to ask now because you're technically a independent contractor yeah so independent contractor uh or 1099 um mm. and we basically uh earn what we bring into the firm yes. um just just like residential agents um you know our, our office and lean associates in general kind of gives us all the resources that we need mm -hmm. and they pay for everything but ultimately your performance and your income really depends on yourself. Um, when it comes to um, desk fees, because uh, where I work, um, I actually pay for my desk and, and a lot of people, they don't take that into consideration. There's a lot of um, fees that I had to pay beforehand. Uh, had, I had to pay for the MLS to, to get access to the, the, the homes and the database. And um, there was an application fee, uh, pay desk fees. I'd pay to take the test. So um, at Lee and Associates, um, do, does, do they kind of judge you on your performance and take it out of your commission? Or do you pay a month-to-month -month rate for your place of work? Uh, we have s somewhat more of an interesting structure. Um, you know, our founder, Bill Lee, he had this vision of setting up each independent office, almost like a law firm. Mm -hmm. And once you become a partner, you have to you have to share in on all the expenses. Um, so that includes rent. Um, we have our staff, employee costs. Uh, we have also commercial real estate MLS. Mm -hmm. um, you know, CoStar is one of them. CoStar owns LoopNet. Mm -hmm. um, so when you become a partner at Lean Associates, um, the company withholds fifty percent of all the commission that you bring in, and really? then at the end of the year they deduct your proportionate share of the expenses for the entire office. And then they give you back a bonus check, which is the excess of all your expenses. I see. So I'm lucky enough, um, you know, about a year ago, I got a private office. Um, one of the guys decided to retire and so an office opened up. Um, so 
you know, it, it's similar to a desk fee, I guess, in mm -hmm. your situation where, um, you know, there's X amount of desks and you split it um, among the number of agents that's given a desk. Um, so, so similar. Um, but as an office, if we perform very well, yeah. the bonus at the end of the year, it's huge. Um, or it's, it's basically like profit sharing, mm -hmm. you know, an attorney's office, once you become a partner, if the office does really well, you actually get to benefit from, um, a, a good year, right? And same setup. For, um, what you just explained to me, it seems like they really, Lee and Associates, they really take care of the people that kind of stay long-term. Yeah, there's no, I mean, I personally just don't think there's a better platform. Um, you know, once you become a partner, you can't, there's no incentive to leave. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the splits are so good that, and I think having a voice in, in how the office is run yeah. and where the money goes for marketing or whatever, it's, it's unique, right? Like you get a voice in making some of these pretty major decisions. If we decide to move offices or if we decide to do something, um, you as an individual partner get to have a say. Mm -hmm. So we do have board meetings. Um, every partner should show up or at least contribute to, to the board meetings. Um, so it, I, I've been there for 10 years. Yeah. The guys that really kill it in my office, they've been there since the beginning, 25, 30 years, and there's just no way they're going to leave. Um, so tell me a bit about your com competitors. I know earlier you mentioned uh, Cushman and Wakefield. I, um, I guess local competitors or um, on a bigger scale, uh, just competitors in general. I mean, competition's everywhere. I mean, there's no specific firm that we always run up against. Mm -hmm. um, CBRE is one of the biggest ones. Um, Cushman and Wakefield's another big one. Collier's is pretty dominant in our office or in our market. Um, Dom is as well. Dom is, Dom is very similar um, to Lee and Associates in ways. I don't know exactly how they run their offices, but... It's a little scrappier. Uh, it's not as corporate. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, like CBRE, JLL, which is Jones Lang LaSalle, mm -hmm. um, Cushman Wakefield, they're, they're very management intensive, meaning mm -hmm. that there's a lot of like layers of management and it's bureaucratic in a way. Um, but those are the guys that have ties to the Fortune 500 companies, yeah. right? Like if you know, a Costco is going to go and look for space. Those are usually like the, the companies that they're going to go for. Um, it, on our, we, we kind of are more um, effective when it comes to, you know, one-off owners and, you know, somebody that may own a smaller portfolio as opposed to like a national or international firm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what would you consider yourself a, a niche um, office? Uh, no, I wouldn't say niche. Um, our our primary focus is industrial, so mm -hmm. I guess that's niche. But, I mean, we have like 60-some offices across the nation. Mm -hmm. We're very heavily concentrated in California because we started here. Mm -hmm. um, but the model's really kind of taken off, and our current uh, CEO and president is really aggressive about expanding yeah. that footprint. I've seen um, – I see – your signs, um, a lot of places when I drive around South Pasadena, Alhambra, um, I'm, a, I'm aware. Um, I, I'm not sure if it's because I know you personally or um, but I think for sure the presence is there. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's it, the encouragement is when you become a partner, you 
get to partake in profit sharing. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of these guys that get into Alene Associates originally from other firms, larger firms, they see and they reap the benefits of, you know, doing tremendously. And so the more business that they do, the bigger the Alene Associates brand becomes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the product of, you know, 30, 40 years of just guys going out there and really spreading Alene Associates as a brand. I love that. Like to, to hear. Um, and, um, I hope it's all right to, if it's, um, you, you, like when it comes to asking questions about your, your brokerage, is that you're okay with these questions going forward? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty known, um, mm -hmm. how the setup is with Lee and Associates. So it's, it's not like anything that we keep under wraps. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause, um, I guess these are more for like, um, when it comes to the hiring process and, um, if someone wanted to, uh, apply for mm -hmm. a position at Lee and Associates, um, what do, are they going to one interview, two interviews? Um, what do you look for in a potential, uh, worker? It's, it's kind of, um, same with most firms. Um, Junior guys that just graduated with a college degree that want to get into commercial real estate, they start in what we call as like a runnership mm -hmm. where they're paired up with a senior guy um, and the senior basically coaches these junior runners through the program and they learn the facets of commercial real estate or doing a deal. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, this contract, at least for me, was a three-year contract with my senior guy, uh, who I still work with today. Mm -hmm. uh, less and less, though, because I started doing stuff with some of the younger guys that I started off with. Mm -hmm. um, uh, just a quick question on the junior runnership. Um, sorry if I interrupted you. No, no, I want, I want you to. Um, I want you to. Totally how, forgot you were there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how long would you say, uh, like, the junior runnership usually lasts? Um, is it... I know you say it goes by contract, but what would you say an average contract for a junior runner would actually be? It'd be probably anywhere from one to three years. Um, my contract was three, so I'm I'm just speaking strictly from like personal experience. Um, so I, I was basically committed to my senior for the first three years. Mm -hmm. um, he taught me everything I knew, and then in exchange, every deal that I dug up, I split fifty fifty with him. So that's that's what the runnership program is. Um, you know, when, when he was hiring, he hired somebody else before me, uh, Mike Lee in my office, who's also just a phenomenal uh, broker. Mm -hmm. um, same program. And you basically, for the first three years, are committed to spend it, splitting your fee with the senior. And at three years, you can choose to renegotiate or you can choose to just do, um, you know, break off and do your own thing. So. I feel like, um, let me know what your thoughts of, of this, um, when it comes to things like that. I feel like three years is a very long time, uh, especially in our generation for. Yeah. That. Um, three years. Wow. Um, there's <laughs> so much you can actually do in three years, uh, just committing yourself to somebody and splitting half your profit. That sounds like, like you said, for our generation, that's a, that's a lifetime. You could have started your own business. You could have prop, um, made your own profit you could have you could have been already in the black by the time your contract is already up with this senior vp um or this this senior person that you're uh underneath for that three years um but it, it's a system that has been in place for 
I probably as long as the company has been around and it's, it's not something that you can just change overnight because it works mm -hmm. because um, Kevin, you can see obviously Kevin's very successful yes. because he went through that system. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at it as like, well, I know that it's a long time and for our generation, like we are just so like our attention, our attention span is so small that three years like does sound incredibly, incredibly long, yeah. but Sometimes the benefits you get from that uh, rendership mm -hmm. is something you there's something you 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 would cherish and you need forever to be as successful as you could possibly be because there are certain things you can learn as you go along, but you will learn them quicker yes. under someone else that's already done that. What I want to say is that um, I guess it, it is commonplace because for me, I just signed a contract with my mentor. So you have a rendership, you said. Yeah, yeah, runnership is yeah, what they call it. Yeah, so um, so for Coldwell Banker uh, Realty, I signed a um, uh, for the two um, the first two homes that I sell. I uh, he's going to be there with me, essentially holding my hand. Um, I asked him. We do training uh, every Tuesday um, about for about two hours, and I, I think, um, granted, it's not three years, but I I am appreciative of that because a lot of um, a lot of people start out in real estate. If you look at the numbers in the first year, the first year is the hardest. I, I number I know that you, you told me this in your experience, um, and a lot of people quit. But um, I think having that mentorship, um, granted, you can't make as much money as you could, but I feel that they kind of show you the way. And then going forward, you get to keep it all. And then that commencement structure goes from you know seventy six percent to eighty percent, and you know um, they go to different tiers so obviously the the brokerage has to get paid that's why you're there but um you can make a nice living uh in a few years from the sounds of it um first three years sucked i mean i i'm just <laughs> gonna be very um straightforward about it. it it wasn't until i hit like probably year five when it really started to click for me mm -hmm. um so you know i think that um you guys both make good points about three years being kind of a longer horizon. Um, but you know, it, it really takes that long to kind of comprehend, um, doing anything, mm -hmm. quite honestly. And I think our generation, it, it's, it's kind of sad to see, but like, you know, people are constantly moving, trying to, you know, find better opportunities, which I think is a great thing. But like before they even realize what they have, they're already looking for the next best thing. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely fell into that. I mean, the first three years, there are countless times where I'm like, I'm, I'm not cut out for this. This mm -hmm. is not what I want to be doing. Um, and, you know, I definitely thought of leaving Lean Associates and leaving brokerage entirely. But, you know, it, you don't really get to see um, the, the outcome of what you're putting into something until years later, yeah. you know, and, and I'm starting to see now you're 10. I haven't left Lee and associates and, you know, everybody says, Hey, you make it look easy now, but mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you know, nobody ever saw the first five, six, <laughs> seven years that you put into the business when it's just a grind, you know? Yeah. And, and now I'm starting to see all these, you know, clients that are coming in and they're leasing and buying buildings, but it was, yeah, first five years was not fun. I mean, you know, there's a lot of other things you could be doing to make money. And I, I know there's a lot of people that they're like, oh, you know, I just want to join commercial real estate because I heard people don't work very hard and they make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And to some degree, that's what it looks like from the outside. But, you know, once you get into it, it's 
it's not as uh, <laughs> it's not as simple and not as easy as most people think. So it, it takes time. I think a lot of people um, they're kind of like uh, oh overnight sensation, right? That's mm-hmm. the term that people use. But again, like they didn't see you the first five, ten years doing it. Now they see you and you're you have a nice title. You do well for yourself, um, but they they probably weren't struggling when the first couple of years, you know one deal it was probably realistic right um i don't think i did my first sale deal till my second year in the business exactly um the beautiful thing about having a good senior and i got so lucky with my senior is you know he had a ton of listings so he was getting calls all the time of people looking for buildings and he basically was like okay go call this guy he's looking for ten thousand square feet to lease in this area or he's looking to buy you know fifty thousand square feet somewhere and you know it, having that um, as a lead source is, I mean, y- there's no dollar value you can peg to that. And then the amount that I've learned under my senior was well worth what I made him. And it was kind of a win-win because I learned under one of the best guys in my office and figured out how he mastered the business. And then, you know, he made quite a bit of money from me in the first three years. Cause you know, by year three, I had a pretty big year and that's, the year where it kind of put me on the map for making partnership. Mm-hmm. I, I made partner in year five, maybe five and a half. Um, but you know, year three is really when I started to see some of these bigger deals come in and close. Did you hear that? Uh, so you said um, his first deal didn't go through until year two. Year two. Yep. All right. So for for me and all the new real estate agents, um, yeah. So that's why they quit in their first year because they don't sell anything. Yeah. You know? So. No, that's that's good to know. Um, yeah. uh, the reason why I even um, wanted to start this podcast was uh, marketing. Um, I'd much rather um, pay for something that or do something, spend my time doing, not just a financial figure, but just my time investment as well, uh, rather than send net brochures, um, magazines, business cards. That's fine. But I think um, what we're putting out is content, knowledge, education, and hopefully entertainment. Um so I think that's, no, that's great. Um, just real experience because people don't get that enough. Like I, I try to find as much information on YouTube and they're trying to sell me something before I even can, can look, <laughs> you know, um, at their well, course. Short time span, right? Or exactly. Short, uh, attention span. Uh, right? Exactly. Um, so no, I, I appreciate you, um, like really just kind of putting a, um, the roadmap out there for, for anybody that is just starting out or wants to get into real estate or commercial mm-hmm. real estate. Um, what about your schedule? Because um, there's two things, uh, motivation, because you're kind of your own boss, you're an entrepreneur. Um, if you wanted to, you could just stay in bed until noon, one o'clock, and you, you don't have to go to work, mm-hmm. right? But um, what's the, what makes you, you tick? What's the, the, um, the end goal for you? I think I operate a little bit differently. I mean, um, my friends joke that like I work four hour days, four days a week. Um, and, and to, to their point, I mean, it, it, there's some, uh, accuracy there, but, um, I, I like to work as efficiently as possible. Um, you know, my girlfriend is always talking about how my phone conversations don't last longer than 10 minutes because I kind of cut out like all the chit chat. Um, really? my clients kind of know me as kind of like a more like straight to the point kind of guy. Oh, 
I misunderstood you. I thought you, I thought you meant the conversation with the girlfriend, but with your clients. Oh, with my clients. Okay. No, no, no. My I, girlfriend would keep me on the phone for an hour and a half. <laughs> absolutely nothing sometimes. But no, I'm kidding. I was. I want to talk about that if that were the case. Like, oh, your girlfriend calls. We're gonna keep it, baby. We're gonna keep it ten minutes. Ten minutes. Yeah. That's all you got. <laughs> yeah. Time is money, you know. Um, no. but with your clients, with you're very clients. concise. Very concise. Very straight to the point. Um. You know, it works for some people. It doesn't work for others. But so far in the last 10 years, it's worked for me. So I'm a very effective worker. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I start the day off relatively early, but I, I like to control the way I start my day and end my day. So in the mornings, I usually read for about 30 minutes and I make my coffee. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't jump right into emails. And, you know, I, I kind of learned that, like, when you start the work day, right when you get out of bed, um, you're in a mode of just constantly reacting. Mm -hmm. But when you control kind of the beginning of your day and kind of the end of your day, um, you kind of get a sense of calm, I guess. Um, so I start my day usually around like 7, 7.30, read, have breakfast, um, and then get on the computer by like 9. And then it's just emails, tours, meetings, um, calls until well into the late afternoon. But mm. I, I do check out usually right around dinner time. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I think a lot of my schedule is kind of formulated around um, my, my tour schedules. So I have to show buildings sometimes all the way out in Ontario. I was, was actually being Corona this morning, um, but the tours kind of got pushed around, so our schedule got pushed to tomorrow. Um, so in a sense that you're talking about motivation, yeah. um, at least in the beginning, you, you really got to have to put in the hours. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's me trying to figure out what's the most effective use of my time. Okay. Um, in the beginning, you're just kind of banging your head against the wall, trying to figure things out. And it yeah. takes a lot more time. And now it's just kind of n applying what you learn in a much more straightforward and effective manner. Um, how long do you think it took for you to, to get kind of um, in that mode where it came automatic probably by year five okay but even then um new things come up right like every deal is different every building's different every personality that's involved in a transaction is different yeah so you're constantly learning deal to deal there's no two deals that are the same yeah um but the process is similar and so once you have that down um it makes things much less complicated because you know what to expect. I like that structure because uh, a lot of people, um, but I guess including myself, I, I feel like ever since high school was over, it was so like, you know, you have six periods, you take lunch, you know, after school activities, you go into college, you kind of get more freedom. Um, and then after college, you kind of just fend for yourself. There's no, there's no, um, there's no guideline. Uh, so essentially I, I'm a big, uh, fan of of habit i feel like um when it comes second nature uh then you could actually focus and 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 work efficiently because i i try to um as to the best as, as i can uh kind of do the same thing i i do find myself um waking up and just going on my phone i'll go on youtube watch some like sports highlights or talk uh sports radio um things like that so i think i'm going to try to wake up to a book um but recently i'll wake up and uh this has really benefited me i'll put on like a podcast like a, a mm -hmm. tim ferris or something right and kind of just have my breakfast brush my teeth get dressed leave the house and it's actually um i think 
a great way to digest like digest knowledge without really even trying. Mm-hmm. Um, even if I don't get 100% of what they're saying, if I get 70%, I think I, I improved that day already going mm-hmm. into work. Um, so going forward, and um, you also said commercial real estate, you have a MLS for, for listings. Yeah. So the two primary ones are Excelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be called ARR mm-hmm. and um, CoStar, which owns LoopNet. And LoopNet, if you're anybody looking for commercial real estate or um, any kind of space within the commercial real estate realm, um, that's probably the first go-to is LoopNet. Okay. Um, are there annual fees and things like that for, for this or does your... Oh, you're laughing. Yeah, so yes. It's, it's high. It's very expensive. Um, so CoStar, um, they negotiated with us to get a flat fee Mm -hmm. for our entire office Um, so 50 agents have their own login and they get x number of listings Um, and costar has done a phenomenal job of becoming the premier source for commercial listings so you've got to market on their website Mm-hmm. And they know that. And so they they gouge you on these like <laughs> monthly pricing. But the fact that we have so many agents, so many offices, we leverage that and try to negotiate for a, a much more competitive rate than if there was a one-off person trying to get a premium account. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a listing guy. Um, some guys only do what they call as tenant rep, meaning you yeah. represent only the tenants or the buyers in any transactions. I do both the seller owner side and I also do tenant buyer. Mm-hmm. So I have to have um, spots and slots for premium listings. And the more you want, the more you have to pay for it. And um, I guess in this career, it's, it is it is very true when I say you got to spend money to make money. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, every postcard we put out there, um, you know, costs us money. Every marketing brochure, um, I mean, down to our office, down to like even just like printing, right? Like we have expensive printers. There's like three or four of them, and you know each printer costs you know three hundred thousand dollars. It's paid off over time, mm-hmm. but these costs are all allocated to the different uh, partners in the office. No, I uh, it's I I've haven't really thought of you know budgeting and keeping your receipts and and these are habits that people should have. Obviously, they don't teach you this and. In, in high school, um, I guess even college to some to some extent. But yeah, I think that you do. It's the income is sporadic, 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 sporadic. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think that you do have to to watch because you don't know when your next deal is going to come in. Yeah, um, that's one thing most people quite can't quite wrap their mind around is the fact that there's no consistent stream of income. Yeah. Um, I think our generation is starting to become more uh, open to that. You know, a lot more contractors, a lot more freelance guys. Um, but, you know, it, it's beautiful. One of the guys that like, one of my close friends, he just says, you, your job is the purest form of employment. <laughs> and yeah. I, I really, when he said that, I was like, wow, that actually makes a ton of sense. You know, like you earn what you bring in to mm-hmm. the company. Um, and, you know, you're not paid to just kind of like, you know, mope around and not do anything. <laughs> it's really kind of, you keep what you bring in. And it was difficult in the beginning, but my overhead when I was 21 was super low. I mm-hmm. had car payments. I was still living at home, you know, didn't have rent. Uh, if I had some beer money for the weekend, I was happy. <laughs> 
So um, I think it's a lot harder when people are trying to do a career change when they're, you know, 30, 40, and they're trying to get into a more entrepreneurial business like commercial real estate or residential real estate. Um, not seeing a paycheck for months is terrifying for most people unless they're prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you know, you, you become so desensitized to money because you see some of these fees, you know, yeah, just like, I, I agree, you know, a single paycheck that you see could be somebody's annual salary. And, um, it's exciting. Um, it, it's, it's scary, but I think once you have enough business going on and you have the trust and confidence in your abilities, I, I haven't really thought too much about it. I mean, the checks keep coming in and, you know, you just continue to keep working on other deals. Um, one of my questions I, I wrote out, because when I drafted this, um, because I know you personally, so I, I feel like it's it's a bit more, it's easier for me to ask these questions because I know who you are. Right. Um, and I, I this is a rhetorical question. But um, <laughs> um, would you ever go back to salary? The only salary job I've ever had was at Bed Bath and Beyond when I was oh, a senior in I, in high school. In high school, see, this is news to me. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> you know, I was also um, at UBS when I was an intern. They paid mm-hmm. like I think like ten bucks an hour. I worked twice a week, and that was a salary job, I guess, if you want to call it that. Um, so I don't know any. I don't know what it was like in any other circumstance. I mean, I've always been a contractor. Um, I, I don't think I can go back to a salary unless that salary is like pretty sizable, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so there was something that, and you know, if my girlfriend hears this, she's gonna laugh, but like there's a story about how when I was getting my license um, in college, just because my dad was like, hey, you should just get it just to get it. And I was sitting in a class out in El Segundo and there was like an older gentleman that was in the class trying to get his license. And, you know, I, I started talking to him, super nice guy. And he's like, oh, you know, I was working for Raytheon, the defense company. Yeah. Um, and he committed probably like 30 years of his like most productive, you know, years of his life to Raytheon. And at age like 50 something, he got let go. And, you know, he was on his way to retirement. Um, it it kind of just rocked his world, you know, like yeah. you, you spend your entire life committed to a company and you're less than 10 years away from retirement and, they get, you know, the company lets you go. Mm-hmm. And it was the worst recession that we've seen in our lifetime, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so that really struck me as like when you're a salaried employee and you're 100% dependent on your employer. Yeah. It's a scary place to be, especially as you age. I think um, I, this is probably a conversation for another time. No, I I agree. Like retirement, uh, pensions, like that's just, this is this is um, this is antiquated. Um, and essentially, what I'm gathering is that you'll probably never work for another boss ever. You never had really, but I never have. Yeah, yeah. And it could be just a personality thing. Um, I I guess I don't take uh <laughs> take um any kind of not guidance more like taking orders yeah well i just i've, I've never been like that it could just be a personality fault <laughs> um yeah. so i just can't see myself doing it uh, some people strive in in that type of environment and it's just never been an environment for me personally so 
I think that's um, it's a really good point you bring up um, because I think <laughs> you tell me to do something, I'm going to go the other way, right? Hey, Chris, go do this. I'm, I'm going this way. You know, you're going, you're going south, I'm going north. Mm -hmm. um, we are, let's see, we got a few more minutes left. Um, and this is, I guess this is still um, related to the topic we're, we're on. Um, I mean, due to COVID-19 and um, because of California, I guess, technically still being shut down. What are your thoughts of people leaving California? I mean, I, I think they, I hope they're not blowing it out of proportion, but I know a lot of people, you know, they're moving to Texas, they're moving to, to Las Vegas. Um, give me your thoughts. <laughs> um, I think that really kind of depends on what's going to happen also, like with the ballot measures coming up in November, you know, um, the guys in my office, the guys that I work with, we've been really pushing on a few, um, ballot measures that are, are going to show up that's going to be very detrimental to not only my business but i think all businesses in general in california mm -hmm. uh, one of them is prop 15. yeah and prop 15 basically uh, affects all commercial real estate and how it's taxed in california um, and the way they want to start taxing it any commercial real estate is going to be taxed on the market value of that asset mm -hmm. Um, so you'll see these guys that have owned real estate for decades and all of a sudden they're going to see their tax that's due, um, at the end of the year go up as much, you know, as like five, 10 times, right? Because the value of that asset has grown that much over the years. Mm -hmm. That's going to, yeah, definitely generate a lot of tax income, but a lot of that increase in taxes are not going to be footed by the owner. It's a pass through expense to the tenant. So if you're a mom and pop restaurant operating in a retail space and yeah. all of a sudden there's a hike in the taxes due, that's going to be on the business. And a lot of these businesses are already struggling. Yeah. So um, if if Prop 15 passes, I'm, I really see a mass exodus of real estate owners and businesses out of California because California is already not terribly... Um, business friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's expensive to live here. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to run a business. Um, a lot of these business owners that I'm talking to share the same thought and they're like, you know what? I, I think the only reason why we're here is because of the sunshine. The weather is mm -hmm. just incredible here. Right? And, and, and that's what you're really paying to be in California for the, the sunshine tax, the sunshine tax. Yeah. And let's hope that tax doesn't continue to go up. I will say, being from Washington State, I uh, the first paycheck I ever got here, I, I I thought it was an error because we don't have income tax in Washington yet. Um, won't go into it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you make if you make a hundred thousand dollars, I mean, you're gonna get at least majority of that. A right? lot of it's yeah. I mean, you you pay in taxes. And, yeah. I mean, there's no way to avoid it, but I'm saying that there's different measures that you can vote against to reduce, you know, your your tax liability and i've been pushing it to all my clients they understand you know prop prop 15 is gonna it's gonna cripple yeah. a lot of businesses if not put a lot of businesses out um and and that one's primarily affected um directly it's gonna directly affect my business yeah i see um i guess uh this is a good time to mention it's like a perfect plug uh go vote i guess yeah go yeah. vote yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. And specifically vote no for Prop 15. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's it's creeping up. Um, I mean, I've been doing all the the question asking. Um, I guess before we end this, do you have any questions for me? 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, how is it for the first? You, you've been at Coal Banker now for is it a month now? And how is About, the yeah. experience going? How is uh, your mindset? Goods, the bads, the uglies. I think um, so. Before they hired me, I think they just opened up the office. Um, I think it's probably running at maybe if you know twenty percent capacity of what it can be at. Um, obviously, you got to wear the mask, and I, I think it's been. It's been slower um, because I, I don't have access to all the resources. I mean, before you even can can go look at a house, uh, you got to sign um, PED. It's like the COVID paperwork, yeah. right? And then um, on top of that, they have to check your finances, and uh, it's kind of a nightmare. Um, can't o- you can't do open houses um, on every every Thursday? They take the agents uh, caravanning to look at new listings, so. Um, I mean, obviously what you see on Google or the MLS or Zillow is going to be very different than in person, right? You know, it could be, it could be nicer. It could be worse. Um, I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm operating at 50% mm-hmm. of what I can be. So I'm, I'm hitting LinkedIn really hard, emails, calls, um, social media, my friends, my sphere, my sphere of influence. Um, so those are my, my main thing. And hopefully this podcast, um, but Kevin Ching, I really wanted to thank you for for taking the time today, uh, joining us. And um, uh, how should um, people contact you if 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 needed for commercial real estate I think businesses? Probably the easiest is just Google Kevin Ching, mm-hmm. Lee and Associates. I think it should be the first thing that shows up, and then my contact information is all there. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. This is the first podcast I've ever been a part of, so uh, it's definitely an experience. Uh, yeah, likewise. I uh, hopefully um, more to come. Yeah, more to come. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.